Hey podcast listeners, this is your host Sarah of the podcast When Losing Means Listening. I thank you so much for tuning in to today's interview. I know I've been on a little hiatus since the fall and winter time and it was a little bit because uh, podcast guests dried up and uh, you know just a little busyness over the holidays but thanks for coming back around. I'm excited for this new season or whatever we're going to call it. The first episode that I do have is still a weight loss episode, but to build some anticipation, the next episode is about losing something different. So I'm excited uh, for you guys to hear my guest Anthony today, and I'm also excited for you guys to hear next week's episode. So sit back, relax, enjoy this story, take it in. Hopefully your New Year's resolutions haven't gone by the wayside yet, and if they have, this will bring a little... uh, Pep back to your step, maybe. Enjoy. Hello, podcasters. Thanks for tuning in today. I have a uh, new guest today. His name is Anthony. He actually came from a coworker of mine who I met in college. It's kind of a weird, interesting, thin thread. Uh, but I'm really happy to have him here today. He seems like a really awesome dude so far. So, uh, Anthony, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, tell my guests who you are and give them a good picture of who they're talking to. Sure. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Um, My name is Anthony Massiello. I live in Clinton, New Jersey with my wife and my two sons. Their names are Evan and Henry. Um, Evan is 15 and a sophomore in high school and Henry is 13 and in the eighth grade. God bless you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of fun. um, Yeah. And for as for a job, I'm a health coach and educator. I work with people individually, and I do some online programming um, to help people to basically reclaim their health. Uh, I spent years of my career working in pharmaceuticals in helping with the management of health, and now I'm really excited to be working with people to help them to prevent disease and to mm-hmm. reverse disease, at least the chronic disease that, that are very common and you know, we can actually do something about them with lifestyle. So it was a big career shift that I made starting last year. Oh, great. Yeah. Cool. Good for you. It's exciting. It's going okay so far. I'm still, Uh, I'm still kicking. (laughs) Awesome. And do you mind sharing uh, your age and like height and what you weigh now? I am, I have to think about that. I'm 47 years old. Okay. I'm six, I'm six foot four. Wow. And my weight hovers just I'm going to say uh, probably around 210 pounds. Okay. Um, I say around there because every once in a while it dips into the ones, and I'm very happy when that happens. But uh, but I, I don't stress over it. It's just so close. But, you know, there's something about putting a one first when somebody asks that one. But, uh, sure. but nor- normally it's, a, it's right around 210 pounds. And uh, it's only been like that for the – well, it's been like that for the past 13 years. And before wow. that, my weight was all over the place. So – it's worth at least mentioning that, that it stays very stable now. That's great. That's yeah. a long time to be stable and something very much to be proud of. So yeah, congratulations. Thank Thanks. All right. Um, so why don't you bring us back? Uh, you know, this podcast is about interviewing people that have lost at least 50 pounds and kept it off for a year. So uh, bring us back to who you were before those 50 pounds or however pounds it was, um, how you got there maybe, and uh, talk to the audience a little bit about your story from the beginning. Okay. So if we go to the beginning, I first started having issues with weight um, in the fourth grade. And what happened is my mom lives in North Carolina 
and my father lives in New Jersey. So I grew up spending my school years in North Carolina, living with my mom, and I had friends down there. And then I would come up to New Jersey, and I would spend the summers, and I would spend some time during Christmas break with my dad. And I had different friends, you know, here in New Jersey. I say here because I'm back in New Jersey now. And my mom hey, is right. still in North Carolina. But uh, <laughs> but so, so, I mean, literally, it was a situation where my, where my brother and I, I have a brother, we're 13 months apart. So we were always very close. And we did this traveling back and forth together. So um, I remember coming back to North Carolina after the summer. Um, to start the fifth grade. It was to start the fifth grade. And my friend Woody, on the first day back to school, he said, Anthony, what happened to you over the summer? And I said, I don't know. What do you mean? He said, you got really fat. You know, how, <laughs> how, how a, only a fifth grader would say that, right? Of course. And, yep. and you know, and, and I still remember that, you know, and I don't, you know, I look back at pictures and I wasn't, tremendous. I mean, I was only gone for two and a half months, but, Mm -hmm. but I was overweight, you know, and something, I don't know what it was that summer, but something happened and I became overweight. Now this is back in the early eighties and there really weren't a lot of overweight kids at school. So, Mm -hmm. um, in fact, at my school, I was one of two, you know, there were, there Mm -hmm. were two of us and what that did was it really became part of my identity. You know, the, enough people said it and to where I believed it. And then I did start identifying as, you know, the, as being overweight. Right. And what I mean by that is, you know, in situations like I would, it, it was always in the front of my mind. So, you know, if, if a girl came up to talk to me, I would almost think like, oh, is this a joke? You know, because who would want to, you know, who would want to come up and talk to the, you know, the, you know, and, yeah. and it's, it's a little bit sad, but I'm just trying to be realistic. I mean, these are the kind of things that yeah. went through my mind. And I was always trying to overcompensate by maybe, you know, by trying to have clothes that I thought, you know, looked good or looked cool or whatever. But I was, but I know that a lot of those things were happening as a distraction. You know, I was trying to to basically draw the attention away from my body, which I wasn't proud of. And mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty much how I went through, you know, the rest of middle school and into high school, you know, that way. Yeah, and, it's amazing how young that starts. Can you imagine that fourth grade? Like I know. Well now you're raising you know, kids and could you imagine your fourth grade little boy coming home thinking that? It's so Yeah, it, it, it is. And it was, it was kind of heavy on my mind and I didn't talk about it much, but of course my parents knew and, you know, and just as soon as I realized that I was overweight is this, you know, that's the same time I started, you know, dieting, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was Mm -hmm. trying not to be overweight. So I would, I would try different things and, and I would just not eat dessert when other people were having dessert. And sometimes then I would lose some then I would lose some weight and, and I would feel good for a little while and then something would happen and then it would all come back. And then it usually came back with more. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you also become like some people's, you know, if we fast forward now to when I'm working, even after high school, even after college, you become some people's like eating buddies, Mm. you know, like, like there were some people who would invite me out to lunch because they wanted to go get ice cream after lunch. 
you know, wow. like they wouldn't do that with everyone because most people would be like, no, I don't want to get ice cream, you know, after lunch. Like we're, we're like adults, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but people will look to the bigger guy and be like, oh, you know, like, and you become He'll like definitely that. definitely go get ice cream. <laughs> and uh, guess what? I went and got ice cream. <laughs> yeah, you know? of course. They yeah. were right. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, you know, it, it became a way to identify myself, but even, and so despite that I did manage enough kind of, you know, self-care and love where, you know, I, I did eventually, um, start dating and then, um, I got married and, and things were going pretty well. You know, uh, I married my wife, Kathy in the, in 2000, September of 2000. And, uh, we wanted to start a family. So we moved back at the time we were living in Bethesda, Maryland, and we moved back up here to New Jersey because her family's here in New Jersey. My dad was here in New Jersey and, and she had siblings who were local in the area and they were having children around the same time. So we thought, you know, the kids will grow up with cousins and and, all this stuff. So, so we moved back to New Jersey. Uh, we bought a house. We basically bought our dream house. Um, I had a good job. She had a good job. She was working from home. So everything seemed to be going really well. And, um, so are then, you still like overweight at this point? Can you paint a picture? Yeah, I'm still bouncing like, around, but I'm working towards at this point, I'm about at my heaviest. Okay. Which and was how much weight? So 360 pounds. Wow. So, um, so, so just to catch up with that part. So basically we had, we had, uh, our first son was born and I went and got a life insurance policy and I was put into a high risk category. Mm. Right. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, you know, okay, that, that was good enough. It didn't really wake me up. Then, um, about a year later, she got pregnant again and I went to get more life insurance because now we were going to have two children to, to, to take care of. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2005. And I remember the day that I came home from work in 2005, October of 2005, and I opened the mail and I read this letter from the insurance company and they denied me a 20 year term life insurance policy. Oh. And, and I was 33 That's years heartbreaking. old. Right. Yeah. Which I means that they did not. So to everyone listening, that means that they did not expect him to live past 20 years. Right. Isn't that what that yeah, means? Exactly. I took it as like a 20 year death sentence and I didn't know how short it was going to be, but this company who has the, you know, this, you know, they, there's not some guy at a desk who says, let's insure this guy and not insure that guy. Right. Right. They plugged in all of my medical records, all of my mm-hmm. health information. They plugged in my, you know, my, all of my stats, you know, this nurse comes to the house and, and does like a, like a mini physical or something. And then they call for all your records from your doctors and they plugged in all my information. And it said that I would not live for another 50 years. Basically I'm not mm-hmm. a good bet. And right. I was paying a lot of money for my other, you know, for the, insurance policy that I had just gotten two years earlier. So I know that it's not that they didn't want to sell the, the policy. It's that they didn't think it was worth it. And that hit me really, really hard. And at the time, so I mentioned it, I weighed 360 pounds. I had a 54 inch waist. I was on medication for high blood pressure. I had mm-hmm. high cholesterol. I had just been diagnosed with sleep apnea I had eczema on my fingers that wouldn't go away. I had psoriasis on the back of my neck and I had migraine headaches to the point where I would have to come home from work early and just basically lay around or lay in a dark room, um, probably about once a week just to try to get the headaches go away because nothing, um, would help. So, so what's real quick, what's 
what's so crazy about that is um, I, I like that you're pointing all this stuff out because actually I was going to ask you, were there anything else? Like, was your wife talking to you about your weight or was, were your parents talking to you about your weight at all? Um, because you had all of this stuff going on, but it took the life insurance denial to yeah. flip it all around. Well, Which, for me, that was very objective because I had overweight doctors telling me to lose weight my entire life. Mm. And and sure, my parents knew that I was overweight, but they didn't know what to do about it either. You mm-hmm. know, they, I mean, they were the one feeding me. In the fourth right. grade, I wasn't making all my own choices. <laughs> I mean, right, you know, may, maybe I did run out to the convenience store once in a while, you know, if I was out with friends or something like that. But it's not like, you know, I... I mean, someone was buying the food that I was eating, so they didn't know how to do it. They didn't know how to control my weight any better than I did. The other thing is that brother who was 13 months old, and we did everything together, you know, because that was the only constant in my life. You know, I was parented by my mother for eight months, and I was parented, or for nine months, and then I was parented by my father for three months, and I had one set of friends during the school year. I had a different set of friends over the summer, but my brother was there all the time, and he was borderline thin. You know, he was actually mm-hmm. strong, but he had very low body fat. You know, he was in great shape and mm-hmm. we were together all the time. So, it, you know, so if you had to pick, you know, uh, like, so what was it in my environment? You know, I don't know. It was either something mm-hmm. in me. It was something in me, whether it was emotional or whether it was physio- physiological, but there was something in me that was causing me to either eat a little bit more than him. I mean, we, I didn't eat noticeably more than him. Mm-hmm. Um, but something in me caused me to, to lose weight and to compound all of these, you know, these other uh, complications and these risk factors that come from, that, that come bundled together. You know, you don't just get one without the other, right? Yeah. It, so, so then having this completely objective measure, you know, mm. telling me that, and then the biggest thing that that did, so it scared me, but, you know, uh, I'm actually, I'll just take a second to say, I'm happy that it scared me because if I might've been in a different mood when I read that letter, um, I might've like blew it off and said, Oh, this company doesn't know what they're talking about. I'm just going to apply somewhere else. Right. Mm. Like I could have taken that attitude, but luckily I took it internally and I said, I have to do something about this. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing that that did is it made me take a really close look at my life, you know, and mm-hmm. what I had created. Right. So here I am married, starting a family. Um, I wanted nothing more like, like having children was like, you know, lifetime goal for me. Like I really wanted to be a dad. I wanted to be an amazing dad. Yeah. So, 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 um, but I'm thinking, you know, like what, what is my real, what is my reality? You know, there were lots of things I couldn't do. Um, even at work, I would go into a conference room and half the conference room only conference rooms only had armchairs. And I didn't fit in an armchair, not comfortably. Mm-hmm. Like I used to have to literally sit over it and kind of squish myself down into the, in, to wedge myself into the chair. And I would sit yeah. there in pain. And if the meeting was over an hour long, like I would have to get up and just stand in the back of the room. Mm-hmm. And that's just like a lot comes along with things like that. You know, I'm more hesitant to speak up because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even fit in the chair. You know, do I belong, like if I have a mental thought, do I belong in this room? you know, as part of this conversation, yet I don't fit in the chair. Like it can't really match. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. hundred percent. There was a time where I was sitting in a plastic chair at a restaurant outside on a cafe with my mom and the chair just broke, mm-hmm. you know, uh, under me, you know, like these are the kinds of things that happen. 
I used to but travel. You know, for, question yeah. real quick though. Did that happen while um like after you made the decision to start losing weight or did that no. happen see that was all before and you still didn't make that effort which is right. just so crazy to because, me because you that know it happened all the time to me yeah and it wasn't the thing that changed it you know yeah because you know it's all what we tell ourselves like we are such good influencers of ourselves so if i'm sitting in a chair and it breaks it's very easy and everyone around you is embarrassed for you right like, like they're on your side Everyone wants to minimize it, right? So people will tell you right away, oh, that chair's been out in the sun for six months. You know, it's like, it was weak. Oh, that leg was, you know, the one, I'm really sorry. The restaurant, of course, will be really sorry. Oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, we shouldn't have had that chair out here. You know, like everyone's apologetic to the point, but it's enabling. It's supportive to the point of being enabling, you know? Mm -hmm. And my wife was also incredibly supportive. I mean, here I am 360 pounds on medication at, at age 33 with all these complications, but you know, she was very supportive in that she's like, oh, you're fine. You look fine. You know, I love you the way you are, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, the the problem is it's not just about looks, you know, and that's where I kind of get tangled up with this whole issue where people are saying about body shaming and stuff like that. But if it was just looks, that's one thing. I mean, do whatever you want to yourself to make you look however you want, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't care what people wear. I don't care what people do for tattoos or, you know, or, or piercing mm-hmm. or anything that you want to do. But the truth is there are a whole bunch of risk factors. And basically it becomes a, a it's like, it's not healthy to carry around the kind of weight that I was carrying around to be 160 pounds overweight is mm-hmm. it's just, it's just not healthy. And it's, I don't feel like it's worth giving permission for for now, from what I've been through, I don't feel like it's worth giving permission to, for people to just accept that as their truth. Do you think, and, and part of this podcast too is I would like, it's hard. There's a lot of things I want to do with this podcast, but one of them is to like give people that yeah. are in um, relationships with people that are trying to lose weight or uh, maybe they could be losing weight, like some tools or some just like, help or some thoughts about what it's like to lose weight. And um, so they can, because I felt like a lot of times my family and friends didn't really understand. They didn't understand like that whole thing sure. about like not fitting in chairs or like being nervous about doing things because you're just so overweight, which they don't think twice about because they're not right. So they don't think about the same things you do. Um, and so anyway, one of the things that maybe you could touch on quick is, do you think there's anything your wife could have said or done that, or your parents or anybody could have, like your doctors kept telling you to lose weight? Was there anything different they could have done? Or was it truly going to so, take this act of being denied that would have really pushed you to start your weight loss? Yeah. So I a hundred percent believe that no one can do it. Like we each have to do it ourselves. Like mm-hmm. no one could have ever done this for me, but what, what people in our lives can do is they can make it a little bit more challenging for us to stay unhealthy and they could make it a little bit easier for us mm-hmm. to become healthy. So, you know, don't offer me an extra slice of pizza ever. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if yeah. I finish my food and you're not done with yours, don't try to give me your food. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, let's not let the, and, and don't invite me out for ice cream. You know, <laughs> yeah. if we end up being out and we end up having ice cream, that's one thing, but don't make that easier, you know, mm-hmm. but it happens all the time. And when I, when I get to do some work with couples 
and with family, sometimes you'll see, like, we'll be out to eat and, and, you know, even, even, um, couples were both, um, you know, the, both people are overweight, you know, um, one light eater will finish their food and offer it. Are you still hungry? Do you want to finish mine? You know, like don't, you know, like, so little things like that, I honestly do think will help a lot because it will set up these habits and we know mm. like habits are the most important thing. So if I'm, if I'm used to getting everyone else's food when they finish up at the table, I mean, you know, sure. If we're having pizza, I'm going to say, you know, I'll get to the point where I'm saying, are you going to finish yours or do you want me to, or can I have that? Right. You know, it happens yeah. all the time. It sounds crazy just to talk about it without a plate of food in front of us, but it happens all the time. Right. Yeah. Whether it's sure. ice and cream I, or, you know, sandwiches or French fries or, you know, popcorn at the movies, all these things, like we're happy to give it, give it away. And the person who gives it away, you know, has an opportunity to stay healthy. And the person who receives it has, it's even more challenging. Right. So true. Yeah. That's for sure. so, such a good point. So there were a, a two things that really, that really, that I give credit to making me really want to change is I used to travel for work a lot by myself. And I used to walk down the aisle of the airplane by myself at 360 pounds. And I mean, forget it. If I had a, a, a like a center seat, you know, I would be walking down and all eyes were on me. And I could mm-hmm. feel that as I'm walking down. If somebody was sitting there with this empty seat next to them, they were watching me to see if I was mm-hmm. going to walk right past, you know? <laughs> yep. And and then even when I found my seat and I would sit and I would squish up my shoulders, you know, because again, I'm 6'4", I'm pretty broad shouldered, you know, I'm, my long legs, everything, right? I would try to take up as little space as possible in that airplane seat, but I was still overflow. And then I couldn't even wear the seatbelt. Like it just wasn't big enough to go around me. So... After the flight attendant did their demonstration, I used to have to ask for the seatbelt. And then mm-hmm. uh, that, that demonstration belt to extend the seatbelt to put it on. And it's like mm-hmm. some of the most em- embarrassing things. And I used to travel to Europe. And and like to be on a plane that long and to just feel That's that way for time. a long time. Yeah, yeah. For like nine hours, you know, one way and eight hours the other way back. But um, yeah, that was hard. But then the, the biggest one was... Uh, my wife and I took my 18-month-old son, Evan, to the carnival when it came to town. So she was already pregnant with Henry. I was already denied the insurance policy. And we were at the fair. And I told you that we, we were excited to be parents. And um, at 18 months old, now a kid can finally do something. Like they have a little bit of personality. And they have preferences. You know, before they just want to, you know, eat, sleep, and go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know? And... And now like, so I'm walking around and I have my son Evan against my chest and I'm, I'm just holding him and he's looking at the lights and hearing these bell buzzes and bells and everything. And then we come around this one turn and there's a train ride, like a kiddie ride, a train. And you know, it, it goes, it was in a parking lot. So the train line, you know, was probably going across like the straightaway was probably like five parking spots. Right. So okay. it was, it was small, but it would just go in a little oval but he had for his, from his very first Christmas, we got him a wooden train. You know, we had mm-hmm. a train around our Christmas tree. He had the little wooden Thomas, the train toys that with the yep. cracks that we would make together. And he saw this thing and he just started like, he was excited. He started pointing and making noises. Like he wanted to go on this train. This was literally going to be the first time he ever went on a, on a, on a train, you know, or that I, probably the only time he even saw a train that was big enough for people to go on. Right. 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 So, 
So I was like, wow, he wants to go on the train. So we started walking towards the train, me, my pregnant wife, and I'm holding Evan. And then as we get close, just as natural as could be, I go to pull him. I put my, my thumbs underneath his armpits and I go to pull him off my chest to give him to my wife mm-hmm. because I can't fit on the train. Right. right. He has to go with somebody. So, so, and, but as I do that, he grabbed my shirt and mm-hmm. like, he, he like wouldn't let go. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, he wants me to take him on the train, but literally mm-hmm. there's no way. Right. Yeah, so, so, so I, I kind of break him free. I mean, I'm much stronger than an 18 month old. So I get him off my chest and I give him to my wife and, Mm-hmm. And then they give the tickets, but I'm still standing there with this big grin on my face and I'm watching as he's excited and they're walking into mm-hmm. the gate to get on the train and I'm a little bit out of it. And then the attendant kind of snaps me out and he says, excuse me, sir, you have to go and stand over here. So wait, mm-hmm. because I was probably blocking the next people from, you know, from getting yeah, in. Right. <laughs> but where I ended up was standing outside of a metal gate mm-hmm. and I'm standing there outside this metal gate and I'm watching and at this point, I don't think Evan even knew I existed anymore because he was on a train, you know? Right. And he's so there fun. with my wife. And my wife probably can't be too um, comfortable, you know, being there, you know, pregnant, squeezed into the train. You know, they don't make those things for adult sizes. So, um, so they're riding around in circles. And I'm outside this metal gate and I'm just watching them. Like, mm. I felt like an observer, like an outsider in my own life. And the two things that popped into my head... And I said, is this the kind of father that I'm going to be? Right. And I said, is this the kind of husband that I'm going to be for my wife? You mm. know, is this really what she signed up for? Because mm. this is the easy stuff. You know, mm. we're going to go on to having toddlers, to, you know, to, ha- you know, to having, um, you know, now we have teenagers, you know, and there's going to be a whole lot of things. And am I going to be standing on the outside? Like, am I going to be watching all this stuff happen? And yeah. That was the biggest thing, you know, that, that was the one that said, I have to do something about this. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to accept living my life like that just so that I could basically eat and live, you know, live an unhealthy lifestyle. So, um, that was it. The problem was I didn't know what to do. You know, Mm -hmm. I had tried this before, you know, uh, I had probably been down 80 pounds at, at some point before. But um, I was never, ever able to, to keep it off. But, you know, mm-hmm. it was getting towards yep. the end of the year. And I set a New Year's resolution, which I would guess, you know, now we're here we are As in we December. All <laughs> I'm guessing this is going to air sometime this month. Yes, it is. And so we're so everyone was thinking about New Year's resolutions. I, I set a goal to lose 50 pounds. Uh, so this was December 05. And I set a goal to lose 50 pounds in the year of 2006. And... The only thing I knew I was going to do was I was going to not have any sweets and I was not going to have any soda. Okay. And I was going to, and I was going to keep myself hungry. Right. Not, that wasn't a goal, but I was, you know, at the time it was called, I was going to watch what I ate. Right. Okay. Which to me, the only thing I ever knew, knew to do was to not eat, you know, to try to keep myself hungry. So, um, but I made hard lines on the soda and sweets and I stuck with it for three months. I literally was hungry for three months and I had not eaten any soda. I mean, I had not drank any soda and I had not eaten any sweets and I didn't lose a single pound. And wow. that again, it was just like, Oh my gosh, you know, like what, 
Like, what is wrong with me? If you want to talk about somebody who can justify their current state, just, you know, do, you know, try, do something wrong or, you know, do something that's not very effective, but it's just very easy to say, this is just who I am, you know, mm-hmm. but, but I was so motivated at this time that I continued, I, I just had to find something. So I was on Google and I was looking, you know, at the time, everything was a um, very high protein diet and mm-hmm. I was already a vegetarian. I should mention that I was a 360 pound vegetarian. Because, oh, wow. Uh, in the 90s, I gave up meat. Actually, I gave up meat and alcohol in the early 90s, and I did. I lost about 80 pounds. But slowly it came back because I found all the cheese stuff and all the Ben & Jerry's ice cream and all the stuff that I could eat right. that would allow me to stay big without eat, without eating meat, right? So, mm-hmm. But I wasn't ready to go fully the opposite direction because I did believe that vegetables were a very healthy part of um, or were very health-promoting. So I was searching the internet for vegetarian weight loss and I found this book. It's called eat to live by Dr. Joel Furman and it was on Amazon. So on the cover of the book, it says, uh, fast and sustained weight loss. I was like, Oh, that sounds good. But then I, then I read the comments and there were hundreds of them at the time. And now if you go look, I'm sure there are thousands and thousands of comments on, on, on these books. But, um, or on his books, but every comment when I read it, people didn't talk about weight. They talked about getting healthy. Mm. They talked about lowering their cholesterol. They talked about lowering their blood pressure. They talked about reversing type 2 diabetes. They talked about all these things. And I was like, you know what? I don't really want to lose weight. What I really Mm. want is to be healthy. So Mm -hmm. the fact that both of those were there, like that was enough to, you know, for me to click buy, right? And and that changed my mind at that moment. I was no longer on a weight loss mission. I was on a, a health a mission to become healthy. And I feel like that was a major That's mindset cool. shift for myself. And yeah. he talks about eating what we know now as an exclusive plant-based whole foods um, diet, meaning uh, avoid all processed foods, avoid all animal products, and make sure you get the majority of your calories from vegetables. And... He even goes so far as some of the early things I remember. It's been a long time since I, I've read the book. But um, he goes on to say to try to eat a pound of raw vegetables a day, eat, aim to eat a pound of cooked vegetables a day, and aim to eat two cups of beans every day. You know, So mm. um, I liked the approach. I, I read the book, and I just started doing it right away. And the only thing I did was focus on eating more of the things that he said to eat more of. So I did not start like I had in the past by saying, I'm never going to have pizza again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, and that worked for me because in the past when I had made those hard rules about things that were important to me, um, they're very easy to break. And then that all those feelings of failure came on. So luckily, slash accidentally, just by the way this went for me, I just concentrated on eating more fruits and vegetables. So for example, I used to have, uh, I used to not eat breakfast. So now I said, okay, I'm going to have fruit for breakfast every day because here's an opportunity for me to get, get some fruit in. And then I would still go out to lunch at work with my friends and I would just order a huge salad. Um, plus whatever I would have normally ordered, you know, mm, because it, because I was concentrating on more fruits and vegetables. So, um, and I did that at first. And like, let's say we were going out for pizza. I talk about pizza a lot. I realize that, but, but uh, it's, that's okay. I'm glad I that you incorporated pizza. it. Yeah. That's good. And, um, so, 
I would go out. I would still order the exact same two slices of pizza that I would have normally have gotten. But I ordered a dinner-sized salad or like a full-size salad. Um, and I would eat the salad first. And then sometimes I would eat the salad plus the two slices of pizza. But then it got to the point where I would eat the salad and one slice of pizza. And then it got to the point where I would have a salad and then I would have one slice of pizza with vegetables on it. Mm. Right. And then it got to the point where I would have the um, salad with the pizza um, with vegetables on it and then with no cheese. Right. And then Mm. so I was slowly and then sometimes the salad was fine for me and that was enough. So I just went that way, but I didn't make those hard lines. I didn't make it about deprivation. I made it about eating more. More fruits, more vegetables, more beans. You know, just like that's what Dr. Furman uh, recommends. And I did that for all of my meals at home. Then, or I mean, for all of my meals throughout the day. And then at home, it was a little bit easier because, you know, there were recipes in the book and I could find other recipes. So I would try, try these broccoli and roasted red pepper soups and make some of these bean, um, like bean chilies and, and these things that I really enjoyed. And even if I was having like a broccoli soup, I would also have steamed broccoli on the side. You know, I ended up eating a lot. I honestly think I started eating much more than I ever had before. But it was all of these, uh, it was all fruits and vegetables in their natural state. You know, it wasn't um, highly processed anything. And now, of course, I know that that's extremely low calorie. You know, that those yeah. foods don't, don't have yeah. a lot of calories. You know, I know that a pound of salad, which is literally the largest of those, like those uh, plastic containers of washed, like let's say spinach leaves or baby kale or something, the largest one you can find in a regular grocery store is one pound. You oh, know, wow. so so that's like, and that's seventy calories, right? You know, and there's nothing. Like, yeah. Imagine eating that, like, right? Like more than like, well, it takes a long time. <laughs> it takes a long time to eat one of those big bags of spinach. Is what right. I'm trying to get out. <laughs> exactly, and and the same thing with those with those um, cut and peeled or those baby carrots, right? That's mm-hmm. a one pound bag. That whole bag is a hundred calories. Yeah, you know. Um, and I could go to the vending machine at work and I could get the snack wells. That's a hundred calories, but like, it feels like zero thing. food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and then so, you're hungry. The other thing is you feel hungry again in like 10 minutes. Yeah. And, I, and I learned, I, and I, I've since learned about the apostat and what makes us feel full. And there's, it's a combination of volume. So we do need to put some food in our stomachs, but it's also, there are, there are, um, like, it, it our system also detects how much nutrients are in the food. So mm-hmm. if we're filling it with volume, but we're not getting the nutrients, we're going to continue to feel hungry, you know, over and over. But here I am stuffing myself full of fruit. Like I never let myself be hungry. And mm-hmm. um, if I was hungry, I would have some fruit. And if I was like, if it wasn't time to eat and I was hungry, I would have three pieces of fruit. Like it didn't, you know, it didn't matter. That was on the, that was put into what I would call the eat more column. Um, That's Um, that's great. And I have a quick follow up question. So this progression that you're talking about with like eating pizza and ordering the side salad, uh, obviously it probably, I don't know if you'll remember the details too much, but it, it, just to give our readers a perspective, it probably wasn't like on Monday you went out to lunch and that's (laughs) when you did pizza and side salad. And then on Tuesday you went pizza side salad with pizza vegetables. And then on what, right. Like it was probably over a time period. Right. So do you remember like the shift kind of timing if it how the evolution happened yeah so so i'm gonna get right to that because i i I, that it fits in really nicely but i just want to mention because um how the weight started coming off 
So okay, as I sure. as I start as I started shifting, um, I started losing weight. So two months after I purchased the book Eat to Live, mm-hmm. um, with transitioning the way I just described with eating more, like more fruits and vegetables, I lost thirty pounds. So after wow. three months of losing nothing, I lost thirty pounds in the following two months. So holy cow! Um, I did transition aggressively, but. I never pushed myself to the point of deprivation. Like I think it was probably five years before I ever decided, okay, I'm not going to have any more cheese on my pizza. Mm. Um, like sometimes wow. I would get pizza without the cheese, but maybe once in a while I would have a slice of pizza with the cheese. Right. But that went on, <laughs> yeah. that went on long after I was at my new weight. Right. Mm. Like, so, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because it, it's, um, it's important. Like the, the whole idea is to, progress and not go back like yeah treat any interruptions as speed bumps not as u-turns mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. like you can't give yourself permission so to to just go back and to give up you know like you can i mean yeah it doesn't matter what it is you know if it, if it, for me it's pizza for someone else it's a hamburger or fast food from a restaurant or french fries or whatever it is like all that does is slow down your progress the only way it undoes your progress is if you let it just send you back to where you came from and you just throw your Mm -hmm. arms up. So, so I was set to continue getting better every day. So, um, just what I mentioned to the, probably the first time I ordered a pizza without cheese was probably a year or so, um, Mm -hmm. after I started. But, but as, after I lost that first 30 pounds in two months, I settled in and I was losing about eight pounds a month. And after losing 30 pounds and losing eight pounds again, the the next month, like it's incredibly motivating to, to get better and better. So the cheese on that pizza didn't mean anything to me. And there were probably, there were plenty of days where I went to the pizza place and I just ordered the salad, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and if I left and I was still hungry, like I was almost better. I almost felt better with that. Because I knew that was going to help me get, you know, another pound off, you know, however long that took, you know, but, but I continued getting better and better because I was motivated. You know, we can be motivated by fear for in the beginning and that can get us started. But the quicker we can shift to being motivated by, um, the positive things that are coming and Mm -hmm. by the enjoyment that comes from living our new lives, then that's what keeps us going forever. You know, people think it's miserable. That. People think it's yeah. miserable. Oh, you have to give up that. You have to give up this. You know, you can be afraid and you can use that flight or fight response to get a good jump start. But really quickly, you have, to, you have to start making this fun. You have to start making this a preferred way of living. And then that's something you can work towards and you can maintain forever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so I continued and I lost about eight pounds a month for... Um, through the rest of that year, actually it ended up being for 20 months. I lost eight pounds a month. You know, I lost the initial 30 pounds. Then I lost eight pounds a month for about another, I don't know, 16 months or so. And, uh, I lost a total of 120 pounds in just 20 months. I mean, 160 pounds. I'm sorry. So I think that means if I'm thinking about the math about right, that you hit your first goal of losing 50 pounds in that first year. Oh, yeah. So actually by the end of that year, even though those first three months were a dud, I lost 90 pounds um, by the end of the year. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for remembering that. But, um, 
Yeah, so de- December came along, and I was down 90 pounds. And I know that because I can go back and look at my pictures, and I always had a beard. I always had a goatee or a beard or something, and, and I think maybe it made me look slimmer, even though I was 360 pounds. I did the double chin real well. Exactly. It does, right? And, um, and, but I shaved when I lost 100 pounds. So I think it happened around January of 2007 that I finally shaved, yeah. you know, if I look back at my, at my pictures. But, um, but the other thing that happened at the end of 2006, I was down 90 pounds and I had energy like I had never experienced in my life before. Mm-hmm. First of all, I was yep. so incredibly positive and happy with, the, you know, smashing my goal, almost doubling my goal for the year. And I had no idea how much weight I had to lose. Like I didn't have a goal weight or anything. Mm-hmm. I, w- I just wanted to get that first 50 off and see what that was like. So then I was down 90 pounds, but it was the end of the year. So I wanted to set another New Year's resolution. And I wanted to use some of this energy I had now to start exercising. So okay. um, just to be crystal clear, that first 90 pounds, I lost with zero exercise. And when I say zero, like I did not go for a walk around the block. You know, mm-hmm. by that time, my, my second son, Henry, was born. So my wife and I were home with a, you know, a two-year-old and a, and a newborn. And mm-hmm. I was working full time and I was driving an hour back and forth each way to work. And we had a house to take care of. Like there wasn't a lot of um, opportunities to, you know, to casually exercise. So, but I was determined to start running. My wife had always. I'm going to pause. Yeah. I'm going to pause real quick just before we get into the next part. Uh, I just want to talk to users or listeners really quickly, just about the first 30 pounds of weight loss really quickly. Yeah. Uh, I want to remind everyone that like you had that to lose. Oh yeah. Uh, You were really significantly overweight. And like some of the listeners might, might not be so significantly overweight. Like some people might only really be looking at, I say only, only like be looking at losing like 50 pounds total. So 30 pounds of 50 pounds is a lot. And so if you're going into this and you use some of the strategies like you're talking about and you don't lose 30 pounds in the first like month, don't take that as like, don't compare yourself to Anthony. Anthony had like right. a ton to lose. I mean, <laughs> so that was probably I just want to put perspective. Yeah, that was probably 8% of my body weight. Right. Right. At 360 pounds. Right. And there's also a ton of research that says that uh, when you are that much overweight, you burn a lot more calories in a day because you have to maintain so much more. Yes. Like it's a lot of work to move that much body weight around. So even though you were, it's actually a good segue into this, even though you weren't working out as much, like existing in a body that size just itself takes a lot of effort. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree with that fully. And, and you're, you're right to point that out, you know, I, um, because, um, and a lot of that is probably water weight in the beginning, you know, because I also gave up salt, you know, (laughs) and I mean, Mm, that's a really good point. Anyone who goes from a standard American diet and gives up salt can probably lose, you know, five pounds in, you know, in two or three days, you know, but, but it's not body fat, you know, so it's not body fat. So it doesn't count. That means if you have salt and then you drink some water, it's going to be right back, you know, but, (laughs) but the way, just the way my system was balancing. And also there might've been something to that first three months where I didn't lose the weight, but I was, you know, keeping myself Mm -hmm. hungry, you know? So if we really want to say it, it really, you know, from the time I started, it was probably like five months, you know, we're, you know, but it just didn't show up on the scale. It didn't probably just didn't show up on the scale yet. So 
Yes, but I'm happy you brought that up because I don't want anyone to think that I'm special or that I'm different. <laughs> or, you know that that I was able to lose thirty pounds and no one else can lose thirty pounds because it's a hundred percent not true. You know, anyone can. You know, I do believe that if anyone, and it matters how much you change, right? So if somebody's already eating very healthy and then they start to eat a little bit more healthy. That's not that big of a change. If somebody's eating 100% junk food and they start eating 100% healthy food, like that's a huge change. They can expect huge results, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it it all comes in. And it's complicated, but I, I agree with you that it should be encouraging um, for people. Yeah. So um, okay, so fast forward, you started telling me about incorporating exercise. Yes. Um, so what I'm what I want to know now that I'm thinking about it before you get started is. So prior to this, really quickly, you didn't do any exercise like in, in high school or college. Weren't a I never played. Team. I never played organized sports. I was never on a sports team. Um, I did okay. skateboard. I did snowboard in the <laughs> winter time. I rode my bicycle. Okay. I would go for walks, but I never trained. You know, I never. So I never ran. Um, which mm-hmm. you know, I used to take my wife to races. You know, she ran her first marathon the year that we were getting married, and. And oh, I was wow. there and I would see her, you know, I tried to see her at like four or five different spots along the race course. And, and that was exhausting for me while she's bizarrely while she's running the whole than, time. Yeah. That's really hard to do. Yeah. Four or five spots but, is hard. I like try yeah, to do one or two for my friends and it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, um, but I admired her, but for doing that, but it was always, again, it was me on the sidelines, you know, just like that train mm-hmm. ride. You know, I was yep. the one carrying her stuff or holding her, asking her if she needed, you know, water or, you know, whatever, those kinds of things. But it was never me. But I decided that I wanted to change that. So um, we had a treadmill in the basement. She wanted to buy a treadmill when we bought our house. And I did insist that we get one that was big enough for me, which meant that when we bought a treadmill and I weighed 360 pounds, instead of spending a couple hundred bucks on a treadmill, like we had to spend a few thousand dollars, you know, on a, mm. to get it. But we had this huge treadmill in the, in the, in our house and I just started using it and I wanted to run, but I couldn't. So I put it on, you know, I would, I would start just by going on there for 30 minutes and I would walk and then, uh, then I would bump it up and then I would start running and then I would get out of breath really quickly, like in less than a minute. And then I would put it back down and I would walk again. And I just mm-hmm. continued doing that. And then the runs got a little bit longer. And we had the lights that go in the oval on the treadmill <laughs> that like simulates yeah. a track, you know. And I know yeah. that that's a quarter mile. And then I remember when I got to the point where I could run a full lap, you know, a Woo! full quarter mile. And yeah, exactly. I was like, wow. And then, and then I um, would walk and then I would do it again, you know, and I continued. Mm-hmm. Then I could run a full mile. And then I got to the point where I could run a mile and a half and then I would take a break. Then I would run another mile and a half. And, um, again, this progressed really quickly for me as well. And then in March of 2007, I joined the running club at work and I ran my first 5k, you know, my first, it was my first outside run, like off of the treadmill. And I ran my first 5k and I did it in 27 minutes. Which oh my gosh, is, is reasonable, right? That's a nine-minute yeah. pace or so. Um, yeah. And there's a funny story on why why that happened because when I was like, my wife told me that I should run about seven point five, like on the treadmill. Ooh, so okay. So that's why I couldn't run more than a minute in the beginning. Because you're right? sprinting basically. I put it up to seven point five and I would run and I would stop. But then, but then that's the number that I just kept using. 
you know, as oh I was doing that. So I was running, you know, that, um, which is the eight minute pace, which is pretty good. So that's, that's what I was really doing fast. on the, on the treadmill. Then my first run outside with Hills on pavement, you know, I did that in 27 minutes and then I just continued and I just kept stretching out the, the amount of time that I was running, um, on the treadmill. And then eventually when it got warmer, I would go outside and I continued doing these, these five K's and then, um, and with all this running that I was doing and continuing to eat better, I continued to lose eight pounds a month. Like it never got faster. My rate of weight loss never got faster. It stayed very steady and I was super happy with that. And then in September of 2007, two things happened. Um, I ran my first half marathon and I ran that one in an hour and 47 minutes, I think. Um, something like that, like almost the same pace, because that's what I had put on that, you know, on that treadmill. And, and I stopped losing weight. Like, mm-hmm. and it, my weight loss stopped just as suddenly as it began. I remember the end of September, I weighed 197 pounds. The end of October, wow. I weighed 197 pounds. The end of November, mm-hmm. I weighed 197 pounds. Like it, like it really did. It just flattened out. And, um, and then I mentioned earlier, you know, I've been within, you know, 10 pounds or so of that now for 13 years, you know, since September of 2007. And I have not changed what I'm eating, but exactly something that you said before, when I was 360 pounds, I mean, if I put on a 160 pound weighted vest right now, I probably wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to walk, you know? Yeah. So, So as far as the energy that I was using just to maintain my body before, you know, I was burning a lot of calories. I eat less now than I did while I was losing weight and it just maintains mm-hmm. my weight. You know, I'm not shrinking up to, to nothing. And you're probably not super hungry either, even no. though you're eating a lot less. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's just kind of working. That's yeah. awesome. So uh, then, and, and just ahead. to wrap it up totally. So, um, then by October of that year, I reapplied and I got my life insurance policy in the preferred category. And oh, yeah, congratulations. So, so that really was huge for me because that told me not only did I lose the weight, but I actually got healthy on the inside. You know, um, mm-hmm. throughout that whole process, my doctor took me off my blood pressure medication. She had me monitoring several times a day. Uh, we, that came off pretty quickly. That came off the first year, you know, before I lost those first mm-hmm. 90 pounds. Um, I stopped getting migraine headaches. Um, mm-hmm. My skin cleared up. And these are issues that I've had since I was a child that I never even knew were going to get better. Um, mm-hmm. Really, everything was working well. And I went, I applied right away for the life insurance policy because I thought they were going to want to see history. Um, mm-hmm. So I just wanted to get one. I wanted to get it on record, you know, that I had lost the weight and got off my medications and cleared everything up. Um yeah. And then I thought maybe I would have to apply again two years later before they would actually give it to me to show that I kept it off. But mm-hmm. they had enough confidence in the numbers, which was huge for me. And that goes back to yeah. what I set out to do. You know, I wasn't just trying to lose weight. I was really just trying, I was really trying to get healthy. And that's um, amazing. It was good confirmation for that. That's what happened. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, and since then, I'm assuming you've gone on train rides with your sons. And yes. I even have a really picture. Close. It's been very gratifying. <laughs> yeah, we went on, I went on that train ride in 2007 with both of my sons. So I had my younger son, Henry, sitting with me. And by that time, Evan was big enough to sit in his own seat behind us uh, on the train. Yeah. So, and, and we do everything together. So now I'm, I'm a huge, I'm, I'm 
tremendously grateful for Dr. Furman and his work, and now so many others in this field of of um, plant based nutrition. And I'm very happy that you know to you know my entire family eats this way now. They did not come along in the beginning. You know, I was still throwing like a crab fest for my wife when when I was um, after I had you know lost my weight and changed my diet. You know, um, but eventually it becomes contagious. You know, she saw that, you know, how I was, how good I felt all the time, how healthy I was. And, uh, she eventually came along by the time the kids started eating solid foods, you know, we started raising them, uh, on the same kind of diet. So, um, mm-hmm. everyone is, is, um, happy and healthy and active. And now when we go, uh, on vacations, we go for runs together. We go hiking Aww. together. We, we snowboard together all winter. You know, we ride bikes together. We skateboard. We, you know, we just do all of these active things. So this is the kind of, um, dad that I always wanted to be. Um, and so, so I'm just super grateful that I was, that I committed to myself and that I was able to do this for myself to really shape up this life to be so amazing as it is now. Yeah. That's awesome. I, uh, it's funny. I would love to go. My fiance and I sometimes go for runs together, but he's a seven, 7.5 runner. And for the life of me, I can't get to (laughs) 7.5. Yeah. (laughs) But I might just try your strategy and like put it at (laughs) 7.5. It worked. (laughs) And I had no plan, but that's just how I, you know, that's, I said, how fast should I run? She goes, I don't know. Probably put on 7.5. I'm like, okay. (laughs) But, but, you know, it, it is, it's what we condition ourselves to do things, you know, we, and we, you know, and, and now I love to go running with everyone, you know, and I'm, I'm not always at that speed now, you know, because mm-hmm. when the kids, like when the, my son started running when he was eight years old, you know, mm-hmm. and I was very happy to go out and do 12 minute miles with him and mm-hmm. take, and take walk breaks whenever we wanted to. And, uh, you know, but I remember we did, well, Facebook is really nice at popping up these memories for me over time, but we, yeah. I, I just saw one, you know, we did his first, um, seven mile run around this lake by my mom's house when he was 10 years old wow, and, uh, you know, that, awesome. that we're doing these and now they both run cross country and now my <laughs> son, my son is also swimming. So it's, it's very different from the way that I grew up and I'm, I'm really happy for them that they kind of have this and I was able to help you know, kind of role model and support them as they, you know, kind of build these healthy lives for themselves. Yeah. And I'm sure that your, I love like what we were talking about earlier is that your motivations changed um, at first from fear to now it's probably like, you know what, I can do all this great stuff and I don't want to stop being able to do all this great stuff with my family. Right. And Exactly. And, and, you know, when, when, so now I get to share my story as much as I can, and that helped to, to lead me towards my career change as well. But one of my favorite questions is, um, when people say, well, you know, don't you miss all the stuff that you gave up, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, um, sometimes I do that as part of a panel and my friend Susan is the best at this because she's like, she's really Jersey, like through and through. And she puts on yeah. this sarcastic voice and she goes, Oh, Oh, you mean like not being able to sit in a chair? No, I don't really miss that, you know, or, <laughs> yeah. oh, feeling embarrassed or wanting to hide behind people, not, like never wanting to be in a picture. No, I don't really miss that. You know, it's, it's yeah. hard. It's, it's so much of it is just how we look at it. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I would never give up all the things that I could do now, you know, to, to what, to eat, you know, to eat some different foods. Like 
And the other thing is, is we learn how to, you know, make plenty of delicious foods and things that are just happen to also be healthy. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not at all about deprivation. It's really about enjoying this new life. Yeah. And it's really great. Um, yeah. I, I know that in the moment when you're like, ugh, like the, it really means that I can't eat this cookie right now. Like, why can't I just eat this cookie right now? Like when you're first starting your journey, that looks so much different than when you're like at the end of the journey. Like it's only been like recently that I've really been able to say no to cookies. Like for me, actually I did the reverse of you. I (laughs) exercise then diet. Um, So, but in the last few years, I've really started to be able to say like no to cookies and stuff like that. And it's just so much more because of how my motivations have changed and it's gone so much less from like looks to like how I feel and my energy and knowing like the consequences of eating that cookie are not what I want at the end, you know? Um, so, um, I'm going to kind of sidetrack just real quick and talk about an interesting point that I haven't really talked about a lot. And you made a really good point when you talked about the treadmill is just like the, the extra cost it takes and the extra barriers it takes to be overweight sometimes to getting back into fitness. Um, which is why I think it's good that you talked about fixing your diet first, because I think someone that's like super, especially overweight, it's hard to get into fitness because running is uncomfortable. Wearing workout clothes is uncomfortable. Finding workout clothes that fit you is really hard. Like if you've ever walked into a, if you walk into like a Nike, which is like supposed to be the best fitness clothes, like they do not have your size. I'm sorry. Like they just don't, um, they might have gotten a lot better about it now. But I, I know that for overweight people, it can, it, it just comes at an extra cost to get healthy. Um, and it's really sad to me because it's such a bigger barrier. Um, like even having to buy a treadmill that fits you. And like, I know that like some scales have maximums, right? So if you even want to keep track of your weight, which you, it works for some people and it works for do- for it doesn't work for other people. But if you're one of those people it works for, finding a scale that can even fit you in the first place can be expensive. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's kind of along those lines of, uh, like, I want there to be scales that are accessible because there are people that could use those for value and good. Um, but at the same time, to your point of balancing that with like, if you make all this stuff super accessible for overweight people, then they're just going to want to stay overweight. So it's, it's it's a very interesting point. Yeah. But what you said about exercise is so true. And you know, I, I just reflect back on how I did this. I didn't go into this with a master plan. I did, I did not go in his, into this with an intention to not exercise. You know, my life was just busy, right? But every time I started trying to exercise, I also got hungry. And yeah. looking back, I was so lucky to get all of my habits in order. You know, like I didn't exercise for 12 months you know, I changed my diet and I kept that change going for 12 months before I started to exercise. And when I started to exercise, I got super hungry and I felt entitled to eat more, but I Mm -hmm. ate more fruit and more carrots, you know, like no no problem or I'd be bigger salads, you know? Um, and it would, it's just so much more challenging. I find, um, if you get yourself hungry and you feel entitled, you know, like you, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you know exactly what, what I'm talking about, but like, you walk past donuts at work. You're like, well, I went to the gym and I worked out for an hour this morning. Of course I could have a donut or like, you know, like there's yeah. all, we tell ourselves these things and they're not true. Um, but, but I was just so fortunate to have 
gotten all of that stuff out of the way. So then by the time I did feel hungry, like those feelings, like what you're saying now about a cookie, like now you can pass it up. It's no problem. So it doesn't matter how hungry you get, you know, if you don't look at that stuff as food that you eat, then it's very easy to, to, um, to pass on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, a really good point. So, so I admire that. that, Yeah. I mean, I really admire it. I mean, I think it shows your strength in that you were, you know, that you started with exercise, right? Because, but, well, right. Um, I do feel like it's a challenge. I'm sorry. I feel like it's a challenge for people who try to maintain it long-term with exercise because there will be things that come up where that schedule will get disrupted. And at that point, it's like, if you're, if you're eating a lot of calories because you're exercising and then a couple of days you don't exercise, like, you know, those calories are going to have to go somewhere. Right. Yeah. And I think that is, uh, it's definitely something I'm still working on. Um, even as long as in this journey, I've been working at keeping my weight the way it is. Um, but it's interesting because like my fiance actually brought that up one time to me. He's like, you know, you work out a ton and he's like, I'm just a little bit nervous about the day that you aren't able to work out. And to be honest, like there are times that I don't do things like I participated in a Spartan race. And one of the things one of the obstacles is like a 20, 22 foot wall and you have to get up and over it. And like, it wasn't even that I was nervous about doing it. Um, I'm sure I could have done it fine. What I pictured in my mind was landing wrong on the other side and like breaking an ankle and not being able to work out for like two months. Uh, And like, that would be kind of the end of me because I'd be like, I don't know how to eat right, you know? And so, uh, and it's something that I'm still working on and it's a work in progress. Um, And, and another thing I'm a little bit nervous about, honestly, is getting pregnant. I know that I can still work out, uh, but I know that's limiting, right? Like there's only so much you can do with a belly that big. So it's, it's definitely something. So equally, I admire you for getting those habits right and um i uh i agree that i could i think my progress was really slow for that reason yeah um and you know it it was still progress but i i agree with you it was really tough because i would get really hungry and um eat right (laughs) inevitably and and and, which is exactly what i did but at least uh, you know but i guess it didn't matter that much because i can handle a couple extra pieces of fruit (laughs) you know what i mean right Yeah, yeah yeah Yeah, And I, I guess I, this is what I really wanted to say was I should preface this with my diet wasn't like awful. Like it yeah. wasn't like I wasn't sure. drinking the three or four sodas a day. Like I wasn't eating whatever. Um, like I, it's not pristine by any means, right. but I also wasn't one of those people that like ate uh, five pizzas a week and right. stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I have and, friends who I have yeah. friends who were the size of me, and they were telling me how many times they went to the drive-through at fast foods uh, restaurants. I'm like, I haven't had fast food since the '80s. <laughs> you, right. You know, I mean, I mean, the closest yeah. thing would have been like pizza, but in New Jersey, you know, like you know, our pizza is made in front of us. You know, it's not like yeah. it's not fast food. You know, um, so and I was member, I was going to farmers markets, and I was members of CSA farms, and like I was mm-hmm. doing all that stuff, but I was still 360 pounds. You know. So I was eating healthy food, but I was eating, I was also eating unhealthy food. And I learned how I could turn a salad into a, you know, a way over, you know, um, a very high calorie meal by putting some cheese on top and a rich dressing. You know, if, <laughs> yeah. the, if the salad itself is 70 calories and then, or a hundred calories even, and I could very easily add 300 calories of toppings to that, you know, and, oh, and yeah. make it turn totally it into easy. unhealthy food. 
but I didn't know, you know, it took me a long time to learn all of those mm -hmm. things. You know, well, it took me reading that book, Eat to Live, to really, um, to learn that stuff. And to, it was kind of like a wake up call for me. So, um, yeah, it, it, so some people, so I understand what you're saying about still, you know, eating relatively healthy and still being, um, you know, being overweight. And then, um, yeah, as a starting point, I, I, if we talk about how much change we make, it's almost like the people who were in the drive-thrus all day have an advantage because all they have to do is eat regular healthy food and they can, and they can <laughs> drop exactly their weight. That's how I think. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how I thought. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think we're about done. A couple of things to wrap up. I have one question sure. uh, that I like to ask everybody. And it's if you could have told yourself one thing at the start of your journey uh, that you like learned along the way that you would have thought would have been really valuable to have known at the very beginning that you wish you had known, what would it be? Yeah. So the, the biggest thing I like to, I would have liked to, for someone to tell me is to just decide, like make the decision. Don't leave yourself options. Like don't treat it as mm -hmm. something you're trying to do. Think of it as something you're doing and figure it out as you go. I mean, we do that in so many other areas of life. And I don't know why we don't do that when we, when we, when it comes to health, like mm -hmm. we, I mean, we do it every day with careers, right? We, we will take a job that's a challenge or a stretch for us. We'll take a school assignment or a project, you know, that that's mm -hmm. challenging and we won't really leave ourselves any outs, but, um, we're, we're just so, I feel like, you know, relatively quick to just kind of throw in the towel when it comes to, whether it's an exercise program or whether, you know, it's a, a, you know, changing the way we're eating or just changing lifestyle in general. I think we should. So I encourage people to really make that hard decision um, to say, yes, I'm going to figure this out and then don't give up because it's so, so, so worth it. Like it's hard in the beginning. It gets so much easier yeah. over time. Yeah. Then it becomes enjoyable and positive and pleasurable. And it would become something that you would never want to give up. Um, so the earlier anyone can start, the better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. I was going to add to it, but I'm just going to leave it be. <laughs> uh, okay. And then the last thing I'll say people. is, yeah, I hope so too, because I, um, that really hits my heart hard too. Um, the last thing I will say is I just want to open it up to you. If you want to talk about, I know you even have a website. You can, go ahead and talk a little bit about it uh, to wrap up and share with our listeners. If you want to sure. have, feel free to share your resources with them. Yeah. So, okay. So my, my, my kind of my starting point, cause I'm working on several projects right now, but everything can be found at earnedhealth.com. E A R N E D H E A L T H.com. Because I do believe that the, the only way to, having health is to earn it for yourself. It's the one thing that we can't buy. No one else can do it for us. But, um, uh, what I have links to there are, um, one project where I'm working on online educational tools. We have a pretty comprehensive free seven day course on the healthy human revolution, uh, website. There's a link right there on the front of earned health, you know, that people can see that. There's a free seven day course. All you have to do is fill out your email address. It doesn't ask you for any credit card or anything like that. But um, every day you'll get an email with uh, with some information on on you know some of the things that me and my partner Dr. Lori Marmis have learned about plant based nutrition. Uh, a free recipe with a little video on how to make the how to make some uh, delicious dish, and um, 
some of also we're both really big on the kind of mindset of lifestyle change. Like, so some of those um, obstacles that we put in front of ourselves can really be addressed there. And then I do a lot of community events here in New Jersey. So uh, I do free pot. I host free potlucks once per month. Um, I host a restaurant meal once a month because I really want to help to make this ex- as accessible as possible to people. And I know that having community um, people who are facing some of the same challenges and going through some of the, some of the same things is really helpful. Uh, we do have online community at Healthy Human Revolution, but there's really um, something special about getting together in the same room with people and, and seeing mm-hmm. how real everyone is. You know, not having people um, talk from behind a yeah. behind a screen or a keyboard or something like that. So I, I like to do a lot of um, a lot of those kind of events as well. And um, I think those are the, those are the main things there. And then, oh, and then one more, there's another link on the front of Earned Health for Plant-Based Central. For anyone who's interested in learning more about a plant-based whole foods diet, um, my wife and I built a website called Plant-Based Central, where we've cataloged all of the um, TED Talks, uh, you know, YouTube videos that people can watch, all the documentaries that are available on Netflix and all the books and uh, recipe websites that we've been able to find. We just put them all in one place so that people can browse through and find the stuff that um, they might like to, that, you know, if anything clicks with them on there, if they want to learn more about that stuff. That's awesome. And I also want our listeners to just make note that um, I'm betting and I'm guessing that there's a lot of valuable information there, even if you don't want to give up meat per se. Absolutely. And that that's, thank you for, for bringing that up. And, and that's why I like the term plant-based whole foods diet because mm, yeah, I if like it's that too. based in whole plant foods, um, then you you can be very healthy. And what that leaves is a little room on the fringe. You know, some people might prefer to have some sugar um, with their with their plant foods. Some people might prefer to still have some flour or white bread. Some people might prefer to still have a little bit of meat or something like that. But the idea is mm-hmm. to really have a diet that's centered around and based in whole plant foods. And um and you know, a lot of what I've learned is it's really a, a, a very effective way to um, prevent and reverse a lot of these chronic diseases and the risk factors that many of us experience at a young age um, that are working towards those. So, yeah, excellent point. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. I just know that I think if I, I, I sometimes am like, oh, I can do all vegetarian, right? But I am always looking for ways to like get veggies in my diet besides just steaming broccoli because. <laughs> right. And it's all <laughs> delicious. It's all delicious time. food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, well, if I was in New Jersey, I'd love to come to one of your potlucks so I could get yeah. a little and, more ideas. Are, and are you in Boston? I am in Boston. Yeah. Okay. I, I worked for it. So the, the pharmaceutical company I worked for for 17 years is Novartis. And we have a oh, big, cool. we have a big campus there in Cambridge and, mm-hmm. um, it, I, I was working there as old Anthony, you know, pre 2005. And through my transition, I was, I would be up there once a month and I mm-hmm. used to go to life alive cafe. Um, Oh yeah. I've been there a couple in times. Cambridge and yeah, yeah, it, that was great for me. And then, um, Emma's pizza was, was a pizza place. They were in Cambridge. Now they've moved to Boston. I think it might only be takeout now, but, uh, it was mm-hmm. there were a couple of restaurants local there that I really enjoyed. And they, like I would make my special requests and they could really accommodate me. And, and uh, yeah, it was fun to visit. I miss my runs along the Charles river. <laughs> oh, my favorite to this day. Well, if you're ever up here, 
let me know and we yeah. can go check out one of those <laughs> restaurants together. Yeah, I may um, be back at, well, the, at marathon time. My my wife, yeah, my wife isn't running this year, but she's ran the Boston Marathon several times also. So we we do find our way up there cool. sometimes. I would love that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, this was awesome, Anthony. I so appreciate you sharing your story and uh, sharing your passion for this journey. And thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on and also for sharing all these other stories. I mentioned to you before the podcast that I got to listen to a few of them. And it's really great you know, that you're putting these out there for people because we all just want people to know what's possible and to, to have that mm -hmm. hope and to learn from each other. And I, I, So thank you for putting them out there. And we have to say thank you to Katie for introducing yes. us, right? That's true. Yeah. Thank you, Thank Katie. you, Katie. Hope you listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Hey, podcast listeners. I just wanted to say thank you for tuning in and listening to Anthony's interview with me. And when I was reviewing this interview, I didn't realize quite how much talking I did. So I think that's an interesting point that I'll get to in a second. But in our wrap-up points here, I want to point out that uh, number one, uh, know that the hard part is at the beginning. Know that getting that momentum moving and getting that rock moving, that big boulder of weight loss moving or whatever you're trying to accomplish, the hardest part is always at the beginning. So just keep that in mind. Know it's going to get easier once you build the habits and you still continue making your choices and rewiring your brain, uh, but you just get to keep at it uh, and keep that persistence up. Another thing that I, the second point that I'd like to make is Anthony talks a lot about adding vegetables and how that mentality worked for him. And I think I've talked about this probably with someone else, but with some other interview, but it's so important to think of adding things versus restricting things in your diet, because if you start to restrict, it just leads to really negative thoughts and feelings. So uh, I would go ahead and give that a try and just start adding vegetables or adding anything. Um, and the last thing I'll say is that it was, it was definitely a lot of back and forth. And I think it's because we had such contrasting experiences and it was interesting to talk about those contrasts in our experience. Uh, and so I hope you take away, again, and the whole point of this podcast is that there's no one right way and there's no one right answer. It's about the answer that's going to work for you. And I know society tries to pummel in like a thousand right answers. Again, it's just sorting through and, you know, figuring out what doesn't work for you and finally figuring out what does. And uh, I just really encourage you to keep up the good work. I know it's almost mid-February. Think about where you want to be at the end of this year, at the end of this month. Take it a lot smaller. Try not to give up and just remember, find the answer and find the things that work for you. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, expect another episode next week. Again, it's going to be something different than weight loss. So uh, get ready for that. I'm getting out of my comfort zone and starting to explore some different options. So if you or anyone you know want to be a podcast on my guests, uh, guest on my podcast, uh, please write in to wlmwpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and have a great day.